Hey there, my name is Bethany Bravery, and I'm the host of the Bringing Her Hope podcast. But even more than that, I want you to know that you are welcome into this conversation, that there is a seat for you at this table. And I honestly, I can't wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God is calling you to and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. We will laugh together for sure and most definitely cry. But you know what? I get so excited about the thought that together we can grow deeper in love with Jesus, that we can jump with both feet into the adventure He has for us. So get ready. It's going to be a crazy, amazing ride. Let me tell you about my guest, Gina DeFay. Um, She is the author of The Parakeet Drawing, and she comes from this home filled with alcoholism and abuse. And Gina knows the grit and the grace that it's taken to not just survive, but to move into a life filled with peace that only Jesus can provide. Her greatest passion is to help others find and trust the light that only Jesus can provide, no matter the past. In fact, today we're talking about when abuse doesn't have the final say in your story. We touch on topics of forgiveness and healing and trauma, but then also how you move past all of that and continue to walk in the story, step into the story, jump into the story that God has for you. So I can't wait for you to meet Gina. So girl, tell me what inspired you to write this book? All of the inspiration to God, because it was not the plan at all for me to do this. I went through a lot of abuse uh, in my childhood, like so many people unfortunately do, and uh, didn't maybe realize uh, how how damaged I was from it. I always reacted in a way after I got out of the abusive situation in, in a more proactive, like there are good people in the world and I'm just going to kind of go after success, whatever whatever that is going to be, not necessarily work success, but just life success. Be a good mom, be a good wife, you know, trying to just uh, do all the things that I was supposed to do right and break patterns. And I just had my head down, Bethany, for about 30 years, really doing that, just trying to, to go forward. When my last daughter graduated from college uh, in 2018, uh, when she touched the diploma on the stage, I heard God say, okay, you're done. Mm. And and I was like, okay, so first of all, God, do we have to have this conversation right now? Amar's <laughs> <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> we need to focus on her. And then I was like, I don't even know what that means being done. How, how are you done? You know, I'm in my early 50s and... You know, I'm not done, uh, and I'm a mom, and so how can, how can I be done? And and God said, you know, you're, this chapter, you've done it. You've done well, my child. You did everything that I needed you to do here, uh, but we're going to start something new. Mm-hmm. And he was very clear with me that it's time to rest and focus. And, uh, and so I did that for about a year, and then... Uh, just about 14 months ago, was in my kitchen doing the dishes, and I heard God say, okay, you're going to write a book. And I I tell everybody this, I'm like, okay, I don't know how that's going to happen, God, because I can barely write a sentence. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what your work does here. And he said, it's time to tell your story. And so it, it took me a couple of months of walking around the house with him. Nope, you, I told you, this is what we're going to do. And uh, I contacted 
my friend, Lauren, uh, who owns Burning Soul Press. She's the only person I've ever known who wrote a book. And, uh, and I contacted her and said, okay, like, I think I'm supposed to write a book. I don't know what to do. And, and, and so that, that's where it all came from, um, to, to, to get started. And, and I will tell you too, Bethany, that, you know, one thing that's really important about the book, and I know we're going to talk about abuse and, and recovering from that abuse, but I want to make sure God gets all the credit mm-hmm. for the change that he made for me in the middle of all of that abuse, that a stranger came into my life and saw me and made he one random act of kindness. You know, this was an hour of my life. As I, I think I was around 12 when it happened. Um, I don't have a lot of memories um, of specifics during that time, but I think I was around 12 and he showed me that there were good people. I had been in this really abusive situation uh, living with my mom and my stepdad who were both alcoholics and drug addicts and addicted to sex and porn and alcohol. And there was just so much going on all the time. And I'm an only child in this house with them. Um, and they would have parties and it was just, just a craziness. And this one person in the middle of all of that was in the middle of one of these crazy parties saw me Hmm. and made a difference and told me I was going to be okay. And, you know, and people often say, you know, do you think that was an angel? And I say, I, I'm not going to label it. I'm just going to say that was God in some way, uh, showing me that there are good people and that he he has me, you know, and that he will always pave the way if I just listen. Mm. So, you know, and that's that's the premise of the book, uh, you know, just just listening and, and being kind to others. Mm. What were you feeling as a child just walking through divorce, walking through just it sounds like your life was just full of chaos. There was probably no stability. Um, what were your thoughts? What were your emotions experiencing during those times yeah it was it was really confusing for me you know this was in the early 70s um i'm originally from utah uh there wasn't a lot of divorce at all i didn't know anybody who had divorced parents um and so while my dad my dad always gives me safety and so i always and he's the one who told me about the divorce and you know, kind of led me through the first, I don't know, couple of weeks or month or so as that transition was happening. I felt really safe with him, but everything around me was falling apart. And, you know, I was eight, seven or eight when that was happening. So you don't really realize it, but all of a sudden, you know, my friends couldn't play with me. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, I had, you know, the church was delivering food. We had never had that done before. Um, and then, you know, my stepdad moved in and he was so different from my dad. Um, and so it just, it was like my childhood was being stripped away, you know, day after day, things were changing and, and in really kind of horrific ways. Um, you know, and I was, I was really being separated from any kind of uh, stability I had other than my dad. Um, who showed up every Sunday and you know, we went and got pancakes. <laughs> so I always knew he was coming. But but um, other than that, uh, it was a, when I started to realize, I think I was around nine, when I really started to realize we moved out of the house I had grown up in, in a, in a nice family neighborhood um, into um, 
an apartment in more of a city and uh, that's when I started to realize and uh, and and I started to get scared um, you know they my mom and my stepdad would um, they started leaving me alone so I would come home from school and they wouldn't be there hmm. and the first few times that happened were absolutely terrifying to be a nine-year-old and and realize you're it's the middle of the night and you're by yourself and you don't know if they're dead you don't know if they're drunk at a bar you don't know you know if they're going to walk in any moment and you don't know if they're not going to come home for a couple of days hmm. um you know so the abandonment piece was it was just terrifying for a little girl and i didn't i didn't have anyone to go to you know especially back then we didn't know to go to your teacher or hmm. you know to tell anyone and, and I really didn't know anyone either because we were so new to this you know this new place that we had moved to hmm. so um, yeah I, terrifying would be probably you know the, the, the best word to, to describe as the process started and at what age were you did you leave home or what, what happened next at what age did things kind of change for you? And how did you navigate, you know, after being abandoned? How did you navigate after all that trauma, just normal adulthood, making decisions, those kinds of things? Gosh, that's such a great question. Um, you know, you, you you just get into survival mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started thinking about things like, you know, I would, you know, grab a thing of crackers and put it in my room. So if a party came and I, they hadn't, you know, they were there and hadn't given me dinner that I had something to eat. Um, you know, the, if, if I came home and they weren't there, you know, what, what could I eat? I, I remember I used to think like, okay, I can have cereal and I knew how to make hot dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was, I was scared too. I was always scared. I would start something on fire mm-hmm. if I used the oven. Um, so little Vienna sausages, you know, something out of a can I would eat. But it was things like that that I would be like, okay, how do I how do I make sure I'm okay that I can eat and that the doors are locked and the lights are off because I didn't want people to see me in the house by myself. Um, and then, you know, when they were home, there was the abuse. My stepdad molested me mm-hmm. um, and the parties and, you know, and it was just ongoing and, until I was, I believe I was 13. It was the summer between seventh and eighth grade. Um, that I just finally asked my dad if I could come live with him. And he said, well, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and that was that. And I I mean, it happened very quickly, probably within a week or two, I was, I was with him. Um, But what's interesting is I had had this incident with this stranger and I knew everything was going to be okay. So I just maneuvered that way. Hmm. If I go live with my dad, it'll be okay. You know, if I listen to my teachers, it will be okay. If I just, I'm going to follow the rules and I'll be okay. Uh, and, and I really wasn't okay. You know, it was like walking out of a war zone that nobody knew, you know, nobody knew that I was, you know, still hiding Vienna sausages and, you know, Ritz crackers under my mattress, Mm. you know, um, even though I was in a safe place, you know, and that, that, that took a year or two, um, to, you know, let some of that go and to realize, you know, my dad's coming home every day. Um, my stepmom has three kids they were just all moving in together when I came in as we had this combined family that was also just kind of chaotic, um, and I was just trying to maneuver. I just 
you know, I was, if somebody got upset, you know, again, being an only child, I wasn't even used to siblings, you know, and I wasn't used to them fighting. And so I would just avoid, I would just try to get away from any of that because I was so scared. Um, And I just, I got accustomed to that, honestly, throughout when I even had my own kids, I, again, wanted to do the right things and I was going to break a pattern, but, but I was also always thinking about my safety Hmm. and protecting myself. I think about, you know, the way that Jesus died on the cross for us and it wasn't based off mm-hmm. of anything that we've done, right? It's not based on off yeah. of our resume or how perfect we are. So for you, you know, having that little inner child and even being an adult, how how did you receive that love from him? How did you even, I mean, I think all of us mm-hmm. struggle to even comprehend that perfect of love to where we don't have to be perfect. We just get to be who we are, broken and all. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm really probably just in the last few years really realized that too, Bethany. You know, like you said, we really have to surrender to where it's okay to be exactly who we are. Yeah. Um, I think about those years, um, you know, God knew me. He knew me so well, and I didn't know him. Mm. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And the ways that he protected me, you know, to to get into my 20s and to be able to look back. And, and instead of looking at the bad things that happened, I just so clearly saw all the good things. Like, mm. okay, but this happened that was good, and this happened that was good, and that had to have been God. Like, mm. how... How else could could this have happened? You know, how could I have come out of that situation? How could I have finished school? You know, whatever those things were, if, if I didn't have somebody watching over me, and uh, when I when I got into my my twenties, I went into the military, and I met a young lady. Uh, we were stationed in Europe. I got married, and we, we were stationed in Europe. And I met a young lady there. Uh, she was from Texas, and you know, we were in our early 20s, but I, I she was younger than me. She might have only been 19 or so. And, but she said to me, you know, you need to come to church with me. And, you know, this God, God it sees you. And she said, I don't know why, but I just, I need you to come to church with me. And, and she's the one that really got me actively going to church and, uh, and learning about God. And, you know, from there, I, I would say through my 20s, um, and probably even into my thirties, what God for me was still uh, like a refuge. Like it was just such Mm. a safe place, but I didn't act there. It was just like, okay, God, I just need you to wrap your arms around me and and you protect me. Like I'm tired and I'm scared and I need to know you, you know, you're there. And always I would just feel, you know, that hug Mm. of of him being there. And, um, but then trusting him to do it, you know, I, I always say I can look back and see when he was there, but when I look forward, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do? I think I have to take care of it and control it. And I I learned through those years that, no, he's got it. And when I I try to control it, I just go around the mountain again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that I've been learning, I would say within the last year, is that I feel like sometimes for me when fear rises up, it's because I'm trying to figure out how to fix something, do something in my own like ability. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. like 
when I'm like, no, I'm going to hand it over to Jesus. And actually, like everything that Jesus calls us to do is impossible because we can't do without him. That just like has taken off a thousand pounds off my shoulder of feeling like I don't have to figure it out. My fear this whole time has been my inability to do something. And that's right. Like we're made of dust. I am, I am not able. Yeah, I might be able to like muster up the strength, but I can't do it the way he can do it through me. And so I think for me, that has released just the tension of every situation that I'm walking into that's brand new. It doesn't have to be met with fear. I mean, he talk, tells us all the time in the Bible, do not fear. It's it's not because he's like saying, oh, we're bad for fearing. He's like, no, like little girl, like you can trust me. Like you can place it at my feet and you can trust that I've got every single aspect. And I can just like picture your little girl self learning that as an adult. And oh, it's just like, a, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. Because I think so often, you know, when we look at the world and we look, look at the world's successes, it's what can we accomplish? What can we do? What can we do to earn love? And it's just the extreme opposite with him. It's the extreme opposite. We don't have to do anything. He's got his arms wide open. I love that picture of you just being held by him, like that he is your place of refuge. I love that. There are times, you know, when I think we'll go to bed and we're anxious. And I love that you just met him. <laughs> like you just went to him and said, please like be this source, be, be this covering for me. Um, what has forgiveness played into with this story for you? I mean, did you have to forgive your parents? What did that look like? Did you have to forgive yourself? Like what, what does that category look like for you? Yeah. Oh, so forgiveness for me uh, I knew that I wanted to break patterns and part of breaking patterns for me was going to be thinking healthy um, about other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so accepting others as they are, but 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 also um, having some boundaries around that. And so the first time that I had to really walk through the forgiveness was with my stepdad. Um, and I, and I, let me just say this too, Bethany, that my, uh, when I, when I got out of that house, um, for some reason, the, the uh, molestation piece of it, mm-hmm. I never, that never bothered me in a way, I mean, it bothered me, but it didn't bother me in a way that I felt like I had done anything wrong. I was really clear that I was a child That's awesome. and that, that was, that was him, that that was all, you know, what what my stepdad had had done. And and I also don't think of myself as a victim. I just say that was just what happened. Mm. It just is what it is. I refuse to be a victim to anything because Mm -hmm. I I don't think God has victims. Mm -hmm. You know, he just doesn't. What has always been difficult for me, though, is that my mom didn't protect me. Mm -hmm. You know, that she abandoned me and that uh, she knew what was happening whether it was they weren't coming home or she was right there when my dad was or my stepdad was molesting me. Um, and so that part has been hard. And so as I as I got older, I really just wanted to tell him, tell my stepdad, because um, he was a bully. And I just wanted to tell him, you know, I, he had no right to do that to me. And, then, you know, that I wanted, I just wanted to have a conversation with him. So I had gone through a lot of therapy in my early 20s and uh, to, to deal with, you know, I had just gotten married and I thought, gosh, I probably need to make sure, you know, that that, that molestation isn't going to affect my marriage in some ways. And 
and, and again, hadn't hadn't addressed maybe as much of the abandonment because that one was just so hurtful and raw. Mm-hmm. So it was very practical, like, okay, you're getting married or, you know, you are married and, you know, we're molested for three to five years and let's make sure that that's okay. And and I, I wanted to have the conversation with him and my therapist was really, you know, like, that's a good thing to do. And so when I, I talked to my stepdad and, you know, it wasn't easy to get him to have the conversation with me. It was very difficult. I actually had to threaten him, mm-hmm. uh, threaten to turn him into the police um, and and tell everything that had happened, or he could have a conversation with me. And we actually ended up having a really great conversation. You know, he helped me understand his upbringing, um, his walk through life up until that time, and he was in his mid to late 40s when when he and my mom got together uh, and had other children and other wives and he had beat them all like you know I don't I don't know if he had molested any of his own kids but he had he was very physically abusive um, to his prior wives and children mm-hmm. and you know he told me I, I promised myself I was not going to do that to you or your mom I knew I was getting another chance at a relationship and I was not going to hit you and he never did Hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, there were other abuses, you know, there was the, the sexual abuse, there was the verbal abuse, uh, you know, there was all of that, but he never hit me. He spanked me one time and I, I deserved that one, <laughs> but, but, you know, but it was nice to have a conversation with him and for me to, to say to him, I forgive you. Hmm. I, I don't like you. I'm not hanging out with you, <laughs> yeah. but I forgive you. Yeah. And, and it released a lot in me. Um, now fast forward, uh, you know, it was just about, uh, let's see, almost two years ago now that I forgave my mom and, and that one was tougher. That Mm -hmm. one, I was perfectly fine not forgiving her. I was perfectly fine just carrying that through my life, you know, and, uh, I finally got to the point where, um, God, God planned it really well. He walked me right up to the moment, uh, and it, it started with that moment when I, when Amara, my daughter, touched that diploma. And he said, your work here is done. We're moving on. Mm. And uh, I found out a few months later that my mom was dying uh, very quickly. And I, I haven't had a relationship with my mom for 30 years. So there's been uh, a letter here and there. I saw her at my grandma's funeral, but we have no relationship for 30 years. And uh, so I got the phone call that she was going to pass away very quickly and uh between you know that was a four four or five months between my daughter graduating and my mom passing away and and that time was filled with you know i would get a a quote emailed to me on forgiveness Uh, my church group my my home group did a night on forgiveness that I tried to not go to and completely <laughs> forgot about it and showed up and they're like, oh yeah, we're talking about forgiveness. I was like, crap, oh, yeah, gosh. I can't just turn around and leave. He's really good at making his point, isn't he? <laughs> oh my goodness. He is. He is. Oh my gosh. But even you know, really now, knowing that, that she knew I forgave her, mm. that is such a relief for me. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's good for me that I, I gave her, it, it, it did free up so much in me, uh-huh. but like I said, part of my journey is to change patterns and to be able to 
give her a little bit of light as she was transitioning. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel really good. So you mentioned counseling and you mentioned, you know, just processing through what what was your biggest takeaway from, you know, people that are listening right now, maybe they were abused or maybe they're processing through a divorce. Um, what helped you the most in healing? There's a couple of things. I've been in and out of therapy. You know, there were there were 10 years where I didn't go at all and, and was fine. So I think one of the biggest things is when you know you're not fine to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had anxiety for 30 years and I prefer not to take medication. There have been times where I have had to take medication. Um, But what I do when, you know, when I'm starting to get that process, I can just feel it coming on. uh, And the tools that I've learned, if they're not working, I immediately go and and see a therapist and start, you know, to, to be able to walk through whatever it is that I need to go through then. I would also say that there are things, there are ways that I was damaged that I didn't know I was damaged. Mm. And therapy released that. And so being open to growth, which means sitting in that pain Mm -hmm. uh, and working through it to be able to grow, uh, I would say that's another big thing. You know, it's it's really easy uh, for most of us, I believe, to just be like, you know what, that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I, it, I can walk around with a chip on my shoulder. Um, I deserve, you know, to, to feel the way I feel. And, um, but that's not, that's not what God wants for us. Yeah. That's, not, that's not the plan he has for our lives. You know, he wants us to be filled with peace. He wants us to be filled with hope. And when we can go through therapy and uh, truly accept those things that have happened to us that stink, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 huge, you know, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy at all, but it it's it really releases us to be closer to God. I believe, you know, it, it gets those wants us to have that peace, you know, a peaceful walk. Um, another thing I think about that to me when you when you asked about what you know what did I learn? Probably one of the most major things that was said to me in my counseling was. When I was first in uh, a group for uh, people that had been uh, sexually abused, and there were people that someone had touched them inappropriately, and there were people who had been through horrific rape. Mm. And the counselors were very clear that it, it, the, the tragedy that you can feel inside as a human being. It doesn't matter if, if it was a touch or a rape. Yep. That people are affected the same way. And so, um, you know, if there has been any kind of molestation or sexual abuse, I, I would just highly encourage people to um, go to a survivor's group or go and get some counseling, even if you think it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm air quoting that yeah. bad. Um it it is if you're thinking about it and it was and it did it did affect you and and so go and and see that there's other people like you and get help and and let god in let him into that space so that you can heal and you know perhaps help other people Mm -hmm. through it 
I think you just you just hit on like kind of one of the biggest whys for this podcast is like we want people to know that they're not alone. And when each brave guest, you know, shares their story, they're inspiring other people to know that they're not alone, but also to turn them to the Lord and to know that he is going to hold them. He does have them. He does still have a purpose and a plan. And it's not even plan B with him. It's like he's got it and he's going to use every ounce of it. And even when we walk through really, really difficult things, he really takes those ashes and turns them into beauty. I totally see that in your story. Gina, if you could sit down with your eight-year-old self right now, what would you say to her? Oh, be brave. Hmm. You know, be brave. Um, yeah, and, and trust that God is there. You know, that I, I didn't know as an eight-year-old that I could ask him for a hug. Mm. You know, that I could ask for his protection. You know, I, I didn't know that. And it, that would have been very soothing on, on, you know, so many days in those years that I was there. You know, and, and I would probably also tell her, um, you're, you're, you're going to have a wonderful, peace-filled life. Mm. As we talked about, Gina is the author of The Parakeet Drawing. And is there anything that we haven't covered in this interview that you would want our listeners to know about your book? Maybe why you wrote it or who you wrote it for that we haven't touched on. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, I, I wrote it. I wrote it for people that have been through any kind of trauma, you know, and it doesn't have to be sexual trauma or alcohol or any of that. It's, it's really about, uh, I believe that every morning that we open our eyes, Mm. God has given us another opportunity to do his work, um, to be his hands and feet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we've been through some horrific things, uh, it doesn't have to limit us. I, I think it empowers us. We have a we have an understanding that, that life's not always, you know, a fairy tale, and and it it allows us to do more of His work, right? It mm-hmm. allows us to touch the people that He wants us to touch because we we understand them, um, you know. And and I also wrote the book for my daughters. Hmm. Um, I never really shared the story with them. They knew about the parakeet drawing. It's a, you know, I, I draw the parakeet and that's again, what the book is so much about. I draw the parakeet and drew it all the time because it was my safe, my safety net, hmm. um, my connection to this stranger and to God. Um, but I was so purposeful about changing a pattern and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to be an alcoholic like my mom and I was going to be a great mom and I was going to be my daughter's have three grown daughters. You know, I was going to be their friend mm-hmm. and their mom. Like we were going to have a full on relationship for our lives, our entire lives. This wasn't just, I'm going to raise my kids. This was, you got me for life and I got you for life. And, you know, we're, we're going to do this thing together. We're going to live out loud together. And, and, you know, that, blossomed into empowering people in general. Mm. You know, my mission was to change a pattern with my girls, but God knew it was a bigger, it was a bigger plan than that. It was to, you know, inspire and empower other people um, 
that, that you know, I'm a very empathetic person and I'll, I'll just give somebody the biggest hug if they're going through something. And then I'm like, okay, so now let's start walking forward. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to do now? <laughs> let's, let's love on each other and, and see what happened and talk about it and accept it. But let's not live there. Mm. Let's learn from it and let's move forward mm. and, and let's smile while we're moving forward, mm. you know, and, we can take a minute to cry when we need to, but let's get back up, put our boots on, put our heels on, out the door we go because God has a plan for us Amen. and he has a plan for everyone that we meet. And so we're part of that. He's going to bring people into our life, but he's also bringing us into their life. And how are we showing up mm. for those people that he puts in along our path? Well, thank you, Coach Gina. Man, I just love that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I think that's the difference, honestly, between, you know, what counseling can be and coaching can be in a sense that it's like, we're going to say, let's get off the couch and then let's let's walk into what God has for us and what he's called. Like he's given us a certain amount of days, right? Like our, it's like, why not live every single day to the fullest? Why not just jump into the adventure, both feet in with whatever he has for us? And are we going to be fearful? Yeah, probably at some point. But if we push past that fear and trust that he's the one that's going to equip us, that he's the one that's going to hold us, it's going to just rock our story. And so many others, like you said, it touches, it's, it's not just within our own family. It's not just within our own lives. It's it's the way he works with the body of Christ. It just multiplies and multiplies. So way to go, girl. I love it. Thanks for your obedience through it all. I appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so you are so generously doing, first of all, I want to say this. Where can people buy your book, The Parakeet Drawing? Yep, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon, and there's a Kindle edition and a, a hard copy and a soft copy. Perfect. And in addition to purchasing it, because y'all are going to want to go out and get it, because we only touched on little parts of Gina's story. There's so much within this book that you don't want to miss. Um, but she's also going to so graciously bless us with a book giveaway, which you guys are big readers. And so you can enter at bringingherhope.com for your chance to win her book, The Parakeet Drawing. So also, Gina, after people have listened to you, um, heard your story, read your book, they're going to want to connect with you. And how can they do that? Sure. My website is GinaDefay.com. So it's G-I-N-A, D like David, E, F like Frank, A like Apple, GinaDefay.com. I'm on Facebook as uh, Gina DeFay author. Those are the best places. I'm working on Instagram and, and all of that. I have a professional page on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there as well. So I, I got to get a little more hip and happening with the, the rest of social media. <laughs> oh, perfect. So if you are, I don't know, doing laundry, taking care of a thousand kids on a run and you're like, I didn't get that down. No problem. We've got you covered in the show notes. So whatever podcast platform that you're listening to, you will see the show notes about all things. Um, Gina, her story, the way you can get her book, the way you can enter for the book contest, all the things. Um, so thank you, friend. Thank you for just taking time out of your day. I know you are a busy woman and a leader and a mom and all things. And I just want to thank you for your transparency and your vulnerability with us today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bethany. I, I appreciate your friendship and all that you do as well. And, you know, I just, I have to tell you that the times that you have, uh, you know, we, we talked about, I don't know, a month, a month and a half ago, and you, just reaching out to me mm-hmm. every once in a while, asking how you can pray for me. That has just meant the world to me. So thank you for your genuine friendship and mm-hmm. kindness. 
I'm, I'm really excited that God has crossed our paths together. My pleasure. And I can't wait to continue that friendship, girl. It, it goes likewise. So thank you so much. Such an incredible conversation with Gina today. And I was thinking about, you know, how she walked through everything that she did and still now can say that she trusts the Lord. And I don't know if you um, have struggled with trust, but I think oftentimes when when humans treat us um, with with a lack of kindness are when they say that they love us, but then they do the opposite um, with their actions, that that word trust is super hard for us. And so maybe today that's something you're struggling with. You're saying to me, Bethany, I, I want to believe what Gina said. I want to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for my life, but you don't understand how I've been treated. You don't understand how I've been loved. And I just want to say to you, I hear you, friend, and you're right. I don't know. I don't know what you've walked through. Um, but at the same time, I have experienced relationships where they weren't something that could be dependable. Their their trust wasn't something that I could know was from a heart of love. And I just want to remind you that there is this heavenly father that loves you so much and loves you so perfectly. And just as we talked about early on the podcast, it isn't based off of anything that we do or anything that we have to be or anything that we um, successfully do in this world. And I'm so thankful for that because there are so many times in my life that I've felt like I have to earn love and um, that if I earn that love, then that person will provide that trust for me. And it's just completely the opposite with Jesus. We just get to be who we are. We get to come to the table with him and just broken and all and say, Lord, here we are. And so I just want to encourage you to know that you can trust him that there is healing within a relationship with him, that if you have walked through things, the importance of healing, the importance of forgiveness, like we talked about today, are such such crucial steps for not only your future, but the future of the lives that you touch. I was listening to a podcast on the way here today, and um, it was about Christ- Christine Kane was the speaker on it, and she talked about how she had found out in her mid-30s that she was adopted and had no idea of that, and so her concept of who she was was just completely opposite of what she thought based off of the childhood that she had lived in. And she said she really realized that, you know, hurting people hurt people. So before she could really step into what God had called her to do or do the ministry that she's called to do, she wanted to be able to love people from a healed, from a healthy perspective. And I think that's what Gina was saying today is like she learned that she wanted to do these patterns differently, but she also realized that there was work to be done. There's there's kind of like a redefinition of love and trust for us when we navigate trauma. And so it's an opportunity to be able to come to the Lord and say, Lord, heal me. Show me what needs to be healed. Show me, you know, areas that I need to do counseling in or work in. And then just wait and see him just take your story and expand upon it. And so I'm excited about that for you today. And I just want to encourage 
encourage you again that he loves you more than you can ever think, fathom, or imagine that there is forgiveness available with him. There is healing available for him and that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Also, just a reminder, if you want to grab her book, The Parakeet Drawing, you can do that on Amazon. And then as always, we're doing a book giveaway. We love to do that with you guys. So you can enter at bringingherhope.com. So we can't wait to share another story of God's redemption next time. But until then, you keep living those brave stories for Jesus. I wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor of the Bringing Her Hope podcast, Friends of Hope. Friends of Hope is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to the support of Christian radio, Christian events, new media, and activities that share the good news of Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Friends of Hope, for sponsoring the Bringing Her Hope podcast so we can continue to share more brave and beautiful stories of God's redemption.